Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans, and it continues to be happy days in L.A. I'm having loads of fun producing these podcasts every Sunday night and Monday morning as the Rams continue to win, this time deposing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 34-24, to keeping Tom Brady 0 for L.A. in his career, 0 for 1 anyways. Solid win. Watching this game through the first half, it looked like it was going to be a tight one down to the end, but by the end of this game, it was pretty clear who the better team was. Rams put some smack down on the Buccaneers on offense and defense. Buccaneers a little bit shorthanded in the secondary, so I don't think we saw the best they have to offer, and we may see the best they have to offer in the playoffs, but let's enjoy this win right now the LA Rams appear to be the best team in the league. So what's on tap for this episode? Well, obviously we're going to review this game from start to finish, call out the big plays, review my keys to the game, player props, and some game notes that are probably worth mentioning. And at the end, we'll have our loop around the league. Before we get started on the game, I wanted to note three narratives that I heard coming up to this game. One, L.A. is not a football town. Well, rest of the country, welcome to SoFi at its finest. That was quite a spectacle. By the way, I kind of feel like Clipper players should be rooting for the Chargers and Laker players should be rooting for the Rams, but I'm okay. Clippers can jump on board. I'm fine with that. Narrative number two, Deshaun Jackson is done. Wrong. And Narrative number three, the Rams will have no answer for Tom Brady. Well, Brady had a good day. Give him that. Pinpoint passes, hitting lots of different receivers. But I think the Rams did befuddle him a bit. And they got some hits on him, some sacks. So that narrative I'll call wrong too. So real quickly, let's walk through this game from start to finish. It's kind of interesting I said one of the keys to this game would be forcing three and outs, and teams that do have three and outs on offense are going to be in trouble. Well, the first three possessions are three and outs, so maybe I wasn't on target with that. Tampa Bay and the Rams, and then Tampa Bay, all three and outs on their first three possessions. The Rams picked up a first down on their second possession, but ended up punting. That was a possession where Stafford underthrew Deshaun Jackson. A little bit of nervous jitters, I suspect, on Stafford's part. Tampa Bay gets the ball, and they finally pick up a first down. A couple of them actually punt. Rams take over at the five and go on a 95-yard drive and score on a tight end screen to Tyler Higby. Tampa Bay answers. 76-yard drive ties it up 7-7. Rams go up 14-7. Stafford hitting cup for the TD. Tampa Bay's next possession. They get in field goal range, but they miss a long one. And at halftime, it's 14-7. Opening drive of the second half, Rams are facing a third and 10 from their own 25, and Stafford makes up for those misses to Jackson earlier in the game. The one pass he underthrew, the other one he had his arm hit. 
This time, he hits Jackson, who's behind all the defenders, 75-yard score, and the Rams are up 21-7. Tampa Bay answers again, makes it 21-14, scoring on a Brady keeper. Rams answer with a seven-play, 75-yard drive, culminated with a TD pass to Cup again. Five different receivers involved in that drive. Jefferson, Michelle, Jackson, Woods, and Cup all had receptions. Rams up 28-14. Tampa Bay gets the ball back. They have to punt a shank. The Rams take over at the 37, but can only get a field goal out of that. But now they're up 31-14, a three-score lead. Tampa Bay adds a field goal. Rams add a field goal. Tampa Bay gets a late touchdown. Final score, Rams 34-24. Very close to my prediction, by the way. I had it at 34-26. to Don't ask me how I came up with a number like 26, but that's what I had. Let's look back at my fearsome four keys to the game that I provided on Thursday. Fearsome key number one, I said the Rams, interior offensive line, needs to hold up against those monstrous Tampa Bay defenders. And they did. And I wasn't necessarily talking about running the ball, just protecting Stafford. And they did an excellent job. I believe Havenstein gave up a late sack. But Edwards, Allen, and Corbett, fantastic job. Entire offensive line, really. And surprisingly, the Rams actually had some success running the ball. Not a lot, but just enough. A lot better than I expected, actually. For some key number two was win the field position battle, win the battle of three and outs. And I guess they did, but I don't think that was really key to the game. So I might have missed on that one. Although that shanked punt resulting in incredible field position in Tampa Bay territory led to the field goal that sealed the deal. So that was a big play. For some key number three, get special teams squared away. I think we did. Better punting, better kick coverage, no blunders. Matt Gay is still perfect. So check there. And fearsome key number four, throw some wrenches at Tom Brady, get in his face. And we did. We succeeded at that. So I think I got three out of four on that. Rams checked three of these four boxes. I think the real key to the game, though, was Stafford, after some early game jitters, getting it together and just riddling this Tampa Bay defense. And I think our defense shut down the run much better than they have in the first two games. Secondary looks strong. Some Poor tackling early, but some excellent tackling late. I really can't think of anything I'm disappointed with as far as that goes, except perhaps some poor tackling here and there. We'll be back in a moment for our fearsome four big plays of the game and some game notes to share with you. And we'll look at player props, coach's corner, and take a look at the refing too. Rams up on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets. When you place a $1 bet on any football game, that's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. If sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. New customers, don't miss out at your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Let's start this second segment talking about our fearsome four plus one big plays of the game. I'm going to start with two honorable mentions. One was the shanked punt. The reason I exclude that from the top of the list is I almost feel like if we had gotten that ball in our own 10, we were going to drive down and get a field goal. We got it at the Tampa Bay 37. I think McVeigh kind of went into a shawl a little bit there, realized, hey, a field goal makes it a three-score game, so let's just do that. The other one that I'm going to leave as an honorable mention was that mistake made by the refs and Sean McVay. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And that was that third down conversion on Tampa Bay's first touchdown drive. Bernard did not make a first down there. It was obvious. Seen snapshots, he was well short. The referee screwed up. That was not a first down. McVay screwed up by not challenging it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So what are my fearsome four plus one plays of the game? Well, one was that tackle by Taylor Rapp. He really had a good game, I think. Rapp's turning into a very good safety, and that shoestring tackle was a very subtle game changer. Big play number two, you can't dismiss that underthrown ball to Jackson. And big play number three, you can't dismiss the play where Stafford and Jackson actually hooked up. So the first one, the Rams missed out on an easy seven points. The second instance, big touchdown to Jackson. Rams go up by two touchdowns in the second half. Another one that a lot of people overlooked, my big play number four, was a third down conversion to Robert Woods. After Tampa Bay had scored, the Rams were up 21-7. Tampa Bay comes back and makes it 21-14. The Rams are faced with third and long, and Stafford and Woods hook up for a 20-yarder. There were a lot of third-down conversions during this game on both sides, but I thought that one was especially important when you're going against a Tom Brady-led offense. You don't want to turn the ball back over to them. Brady has the ball down by seven in the second half. Big play, Rams went down and scored, made it 28-14. And another big play, my big play number five, came very early in the game, and that was the dropped interception by Tampa Bay. First possession by the Rams, 0-0, big game, ball drops right through his hands. I mean, that was as easy as they come. And if he catches that ball, It could change the whole game. I have a feeling the Rams offense is going to figure out a way to win this game and their defense. But that's a big play, a big missed opportunity by Tampa Bay. As soon as that ball was tipped, I believe it was Van Jefferson. Had a very bad feeling. But fortunately, the Buccaneer dropped it. The Rams retained possession. Now they punted on that drive. But Tampa Bay would have had the ball in Rams territory in a 0-0 game. It would have been a horrible way to start that game. With this game that Stafford ended up with 343 yards and four TDs. Brady, 432 yards, but only the one TD. Sonny Michelle ended up with 67 yards rushing. 
Brady was the leading rusher for Tampa Bay, 14 yards. Deshaun Jackson ended up with three receptions for 120 yards and a TD. And Michael Evans was the recipient of a lot of those yards from Brady, 106 yards. He had a big game. Some other notes from a Rams perspective. Kenny Young led the Rams defense with 10 tackles and a sack. Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald also had sacks. Terrell Lewis, I think, had an up-and-down game. Missed a tackle badly on an end run, but also had a good smackdown on Rob Gronkowski. He's still finding his way. He may have to step up even more. We're waiting to hear, unfortunately, about the severity of Justin Holland's injury. He apparently had a pectoral injury late in the game. You probably saw that play. You probably saw that play. It was pretty evident that he was hurt, did not return. So we'll find out more about that in a day or two. Some other game notes of interest. Ben Skowernick got his first NFL action, two tackles on special teams. And the Rams won the coin toss again. It's amazing. They just, seems like they win 90% of those. Always kicking off. I thought it was interesting that Jake Funk got the start. I believe he played the entire first series. And then after that, it was all Sony, which is okay. I'm fine with that. I think Funk had a couple snaps later in the game. Had one carry for six yards. And I had made a prediction that Buddy Howe would be activated as the third running back with Henderson's availability in question. And sure enough, he was active, did not play as far as I know. Tutu Atwell looks really comfortable on those punt returns. I think the strategy is to have him back there when a return is possible. But if it's going to be deep in Ram territory inside the 15 or so, they're going to have Cooper Cup back there catching the ball and getting down. That's a strategy I like. I hope they continue with it. Player props and game balls. Well, you know what? You got to give it to Matthew Stafford, right? Started out a little slow, a little jittery, got it together, and led this team to a win over the defending champs. And if there's a second unit that deserves praise, it's that offensive line. The Bucks got to Stafford once late in the game, but other than that, they played pretty darn good, if not flawless football. And they were very active and efficient on those screens to Higby. I think they ran three of them on the defensive side. Good defensive effort all around. Defensive line held up well. Just a solid defensive effort all around. I'm not going to call it anybody. Just a solid effort. We did much better against the run. Gave up a lot of yards through the air. But this is Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. It's to be expected. And I guess I got to give props to Matt Gay. Continuing to nail it. Love our kicker. Feeling so good about where we are with him. I'd like to see him pop a 55-yarder eventually. Then I'll really be stoked. I almost mentioned everybody, actually, right? Quarterback played great. Offensive line played great. Defense played great. Matt Gay played great. Hey, and actually, Sony Michelle had a very good game. And our receivers and tight ends. No complaints there. Just a great team effort. Good to see. Coach's corner... The only thing I'm going to say about McVeigh, I mean, they had a great game plan, obviously. I'm going to nitpick here, but I don't know why they didn't challenge that spot. It was very obvious to me. Announcers just kind of rolled with it, didn't say much, and I was coming out of my seat. Why aren't we challenging that? He was short. It would have brought up a fourth and one. And that was a drive that ended with a Tampa Bay touchdown. 
So I don't know what's going on with their comms in the box. That was an obvious challenge to me, and they would have won. I will also give McVeigh props, though. He was tempted to go for it on that fourth down at the Tampa Bay 8-yard line, and they called a timeout, came to their senses, kicked the field goal, and that was a smart play. Look at it this way. If you're Tampa Bay, you're down by 14. What's your one path to victory, or at least your most likely path to victory? The Rams go for it on fourth and one. The Bucks get the stop. Tom Brady has the ball. Eight minutes left, down by two touchdowns. They came out of that timeout. They kicked the field goal, go up by 17. Smart decision. A decision that McVay might not have made a couple of years ago. No big glaring errors by the refs. I thought it was odd. I think the Rams only had one penalty, and that was on a punt return that they didn't return. Shame on you, Nick Scott. What are you holding on those plays for? But overall, no glaring mistakes by the refs that I'm aware of. As far as the announcers, I mean, Buck and Aikman are fine. They're okay. They're good. I can live with them. I know they're like the number one broadcasting team for Fox. But go listen to Gus Johnson's call on that return, that Jacksonville return of the Arizona field goal attempt. Can you imagine Buck or Aikman getting excited like that? I love Gus Johnson. And I'll just take a moment to say Aikman and Buck are very good announcers. I just wish they could bring the excitement that Gus Johnson does. Maybe just all the exciting games land in his lap. I don't know. All the exciting plays. Love Gus Johnson. Wish he was doing Fox games. We'll be back in a second with our loop around the league. Let's do our loop around the league. We'll start with that Thursday night game. Panthers take care of the Texans 24-9. That was a battle of Pac-12 quarterbacks. USC got the best of Stanford. Sam Darnold rushed for two TDs. Christian McCafferty hurt again out of the game with a hamstring injury. Latest update I have is it is not serious. He could be back sooner than we at first expected. Two receivers, DJ Moore and Brandon Cooks, both had big games in that one. Buffalo Bills take care of the Washington football team 43-14. Josh Allen goes off 358 yards and four TDs. Rumor has it the NFL is opening an investigation into how the Bills lost to the Steelers in week one. I stole that from someone else, actually. Browns take care of the Bears 26-6. Bears fans got exactly what they wanted. Justin Fields 6-for-20 for 68 yards. Where is Andy Dalton when you need him? And the Lions lose a heartbreaker to the Ravens, 19-17. Goff rallies them from behind. They take a 17-16 lead. The Ravens convert a 4th and 19. And then Jason Tucker kicks a 66-yard field goal. Doinks off the crossbar and goes over for the winning field goal. And apparently the Ravens should have been called for a delay of game on that drive. Everything that could possibly go wrong did for the Lions at the very end there. I was really pulling for Jared Goff. That kind of bummed me out. Cardinals take care of the Jags, 31-19. Arizona overcomes a 109-yard return on the last play of the first half off a missed field goal. But give them credit, they bounced back with 17 points in the third quarter. 
to beat the worst team in the league and improve to 3-0. Falcons take care of the Giants 17-14 on a field goal as time runs out. Saints take care of the Patriots 28-13. Winston only threw for 128 yards. Mac Jones threw three interceptions. I was really confused why the Patriots were getting a lot of love in this game. I picked the Saints and I felt very confident in that pick. And sure enough, Saints went on the road in New England. Bengals take care of the Steelers 24-10. A little bit of a surprise. Steelers have fallen fast after that opening win over the Bills. Joe Burrow hits Jamar Chase twice for touchdowns. That's a connection that is developing really fast. And the Titans take care of the Colts 25-16. Ryan Tannehill threw for three TDs and ran for 56 yards. Derrick Henry ran for 113 yards. And in the game of the day, the Chargers take care of the Chiefs 30-24. Mike Williams, big day. Chargers overcome some more self-inflicted wounds on offense. This time they figure it out. Brandon Staley goes for it fourth and nine in the fourth quarter. It pays off. Man, this could be a signature win for Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers. In the afternoon, while the Rams were playing, the Broncos thumped the Jets 26 to nothing. Balanced effort from what I could see. Teddy Bridgewater and Melvin Gordon leading the way for the Broncos, while the defense obviously pitched a shutout and sacked Zach Wilson five times. I said earlier the Jags were the worst team in the league. I don't know. Maybe it's the Jets. It's a toss-up between those two right now. The Raiders beat the Dolphins 31-28 in overtime. David Carr continues to light it up 386 yards and two TDs. In overtime, the Raiders let off with a field goal. Dolphins got their chance, matched them with a field goal. And their next possession, the Raiders ended the game with a field goal. And the Vikings take care of the Seahawks. Early on, it looked like it was going the Seahawks' way, but Kirk Cousins had a big game through for three TDs. First time the Vikings have beat the Seahawks in 12 years, and bad news for the Seahawks, and bad news for the Seahawks. Tyler Lockett suffered a knee injury in that game, left and did not return. It looked like it could potentially be serious. We'll have to wait and see. That would be a big blow to the Seahawks, who are now 1-2, and two and in last place, all by themselves in the NFC West. And the Packers take care of the Niners in an exciting game, 30-28. to Looked like Jimmy G was going to be the GOAT, and then he was going to be the hero. And But no, it's Aaron Rodgers. They get the ball with 37 seconds left. Couple of completions, spike the ball. Mason Crosby kicks the long field goal for the win. Man, I thought that game was over like three times. And Monday night, we'll see the Cowboys and Eagles. We'll be back to wrap it up in a second. Try to explain what it all means. So what does it all mean? What it means is this. The Rams and Cards are both 3-0. They'll face off next week. The Niners are 2-1, and and the Seahawks are 1-2. If the Rams can get through these next two games, the Cardinals and the Seahawks, then they hit the soft part of their schedule, be good times in L.A. But one at a time, Cardinals will be coming in with a high-flying offense, and then they'll have a turnaround, four days, fly to Seattle, 
take on a Seahawk team that's obviously seen better days and might be missing one of their best players, Tyler Lockett. That soft part of the schedule I'm referring to, well, after the Cardinals and the Seahawks on that Thursday night, they get 10 days off and they travel to New York to play the Giants. Then they come home to face Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. And another quick reminder, please, a standing ovation for Jared. No booing, please. And then they travel to Houston to play the Texans. Now, I remember what happened with the Jets last year. And I'm not saying these three are gimmies, but these are three games I fully expect us to win. And then after that, things get tough again. The Rams host the Titans. Jalen Ramsey versus Derrick Henry in the open field. I'll pay to see that. So Cardinals, Seahawks, then at the Giants, hosting the Lions, and at the Texans. These next two games against divisional opponents, how sweet would it be to come out of that 5-0, and and I expect them to, and then run into these three games, the soft part of their schedule, looking at potentially 8-0. So let's check in with the league standings. Three teams left undefeated in the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals, your Los Angeles Rams, and the Carolina Panthers. Panthers 3-0 atop the NFC South. The Eagles and Cowboys are both 1-1. One one. They'll play for first place in the NFC East tonight. Green Bay back atop the NFC North. We knew that was eventually going to happen. It was only a matter of time. In the AFC, only two teams left undefeated. The Raiders and the Broncos, 3-0 each. The Chargers, 2-1. Kansas City in last place. Now, if I had told you after three weeks that Kansas City and Seattle would both be in last place. You would have said, I'm crazy, right? Actually, I'm not surprised Seattle is in last place. That's a tough division. Two losses and you're at the bottom of the heap. Nothing to be ashamed of there, but but they need to right the ship pretty quickly. Tennessee atop the AFC South, 2-1. and one, And the Bills atop the NFC East, also 2-1. Two, two pretty sad divisions, actually. And the entire NFC North is 2-1 except the Steelers, who are 1-2 with that lone win over the Buffalo Bills. Don't forget, look for our Thursday morning drop. It will include a preview of the Cardinal-Ram game. And while that's going on, the Seahawks will be playing the Niners, so maybe we'll take a quick look at that game too, preview that a little bit. Not sure who I'll be rooting for. We'll check in on our game picks, see how we did, and of course, make our picks for next week as well. Let's get to our mistakes and omissions from recent episodes. I referred to Otis Anderson as OJ Anderson. I completely forgot to discuss the signing of Micah Kaiser from our practice squad by the Denver Broncos. I said that Tampa Bay hosted Green Bay in the playoffs. They did not. I said that the Ravens beat Kansas City in Kansas City. They did not. And I may have referred to Justin Herbert as Josh Herbert. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.
Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.